there was a point where we were like, okay, we're basically going to start a completely new business from scratch um, in the Techstars program. We're like, okay, the old thing, we're not doing that anymore. doesn't work. You're listening to The First 1000, a podcast that explores the journey from coming up with a product to building the thing, pre-launching it, launching it, and getting your first 1000 true fans. If you don't know why I'm doing this or why you should be listening, go back to the introducing episode in season one. My name is Matt Quinn. I'll be here with you on this journey. Let's jump in. Before we jump into this one, I just want to start off by apologizing on the sound quality for this. Chris was in somewhere in America, I can't remember now, Indiana. I was in London when I had to do this, this is my first remote interview, uh, and I used a bad a bad set of headphones so my microphone cuts in and out all of the time we also lost connection at one point i've edited that out but uh, i really hope you can stick with the episode there are some fantastic learnings in here and i hope you enjoy it if you absolutely hate the sound quality make sure you let me know leave me a five-star review telling me how bad the sound quality is and i'll make sure i change it just for you next time also i was told Shout out to all of you who are doing the dishes or doing your cleaning whilst listening to this. It's people like you who keep me going and recording these stories. Let's jump in. So hello, welcome. We've got Chris Chance here from a company called Aerotronic today. They do something crazy cool, which I actually, so I normally start each episode by pitching people back to their companies. And I, I could try and I... Screw it. I'm going to try, but I have a feeling I'm going to really mess this one up. Um, Chris has a really, really established history with all sorts of drones and aeronautics and engineering. And so it's, it's really, it's going to be a bit of a nerdy one this time around, but I'm super excited because it's a special type of company that sells for a very special type of business. Aerotronic is, I think, replacing human, uh, replacing humans in monitoring power lines for uh, repairs, disruption, and vegetation issues. How far am I off on that one, Chris? That's, that's really good. Better than I could do it. <laughs> yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, secondly, so we use, <clears throat> we use manned helicopters, um, and also in the future we'll use drones that we design and manufacture to do power line inspection, both for vegetation management to keep the trees from growing into the lines and causing fires, and also to keep the components, the electrical components on the pole tops, keep them healthy so that the lights stay on. Is that, uh, so get done, I could already jump into detail, but when you're saying components on electrical lines, I'm, I'm thinking of like in the US, you've got wooden electrical lines, which are almost like a T, big wooden T, right? And then you have some component that holds the lines to the wood on the top. That's exactly right. And then that's monitored by flying, right now it's monitored by flying a person over in a helicopter. Right, they, um, they either send people out on foot with, uh, to go look up at it, or they send a helicopter and a guy with binoculars looks out the side of it and writes stuff on a clipboard. It's, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> Fantastic. And then Aerotronic, in name at least, has been going for a good handful of years, right? Um, three or four that's, years, right, Nick, that? That's right. Um, our, our company history is um, really kind of 
not what you would have guessed from the outside being a power line inspection company. We started out as a drone company. We're like, okay, so we're going to build this big red uh, autonomous helicopter thing. And it's going to serve this very specific market niche. And we're going to make money just by selling units. And that's the business model. So the helicopter is great. Um, we got the market niche, all that stuff, right? The market itself, though, got hung up by regulations and nobody bought it. Also, uh, being in a unit sales business is a terrible idea. You really <laughs> want to be on a recurring revenue, like service business. So um, not, to, not to get into it too much, but um, you and I, I, we both went through uh, Techstars, which I, I'm a big fan. And because they helped us understand all this and like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, no, no, no. You need to be on a uh, service business with customer with really big deep pockets, big problem. Hopefully a regulatory requirement to buy your service would be great. And something where your previous history will come in and help you um, solve the problem in the future. So that's, when, that's yeah. And when was, when did you, when you set out to just make drones, when was that? Is that 20, 2015. And that, that was actually, I think at the time, if you think about tech buzzwords, like 2015, 2014 felt like a really like drone was the thing right now. It's now it's kind of crypto and blockchain. And I think somewhere between the two is probably virtual reality. Um, so I can imagine there's the, the excitement of like jumping in to build that product at that time for sure. Yeah. And that was, that was a big mistake that we made early on is we got caught up in the hype cycle. Right. It's like, oh, this is the new cool thing. Like this is this is what's hot right now. Like let's focus on the technology. And that's just completely backwards. You should absolutely not do that. And then so now so when did you go? You went through Techstars Mobility. That was twenty seventeen? Twenty eighteen. So we we finished in October. That was last so. year. Fantastic. And yep. then so, so before Aerotronic came along, well, who, so who's the main customer for Aerotronic? So power companies, we have really long sales cycles. Um, talking nine months, maybe a year in some cases. Um, so we have a contract that we've negotiated. We're building, we're finishing up building the product to the customer requirements, which is really important. We'll hopefully get into that later. Um, and then should sign sometime in September. Um, I don't want to publicly say who it is, but I, I will say that they're a top 20 uh, power company in the U.S. and they've got 30,000 plus miles of lines. So pretty big customer. Very cool. And that, yeah, that'll be a, a few million a year occurring. So. And then so at least right now, a good part, the, the business isn't necessarily even the flying of the helicopter long line it's the way that you capture the data analyze the data and structure the data because that's all very manual and exactly so when we started this company we um we didn't care what kind of technology we were going to use we we were like okay where's the market that we like and some customers that we like and then we we spent a long time having a customer conversations like getting out of the office and going over and talking to them and really understanding what their needs were, why they buy things, what their problems are, how do we integrate into their existing workflow? How do we really solve their problem and understanding their problem? And then from that, we worked backwards with, okay, how are we going to build the solution that does that? So interestingly enough, 
so I, in a previous life, I was a civil engineer and I, one of my projects I worked on was a high pressure gas pipeline. So in the UK, we have normal electrical lines everywhere, but actually because you have loss over a certain distance of electrical lines, throughout the country there are these high pressure gas pipelines like like i mean huge gas pipelines like a couple of in size that just transfer gas across the country to a new gas power uh, power station then you burn the gas and create the electricity and redistribute it because it's so otherwise inefficient um and they they i mean those those are maybe i guess not in the size of the us there's a couple hundred miles maybe i'd say maybe a couple thousand miles of gas pipeline in the UK existingly. And every day they fly a helicopter along that gas pipeline to check that someone isn't digging on, into the ground. I think they're probably three or four meters underground. Because um, if you hit one of those things with a, you know, with a, with a construction JCB or- Bad news. Yeah, you'd have, you have, have a town with a construct piece of construction equipment. Always, I always struggle to really understand the economics of, Let's get a guy in a helicopter every day and fly him along this gas pipeline based on, right? Because there's nothing, there's, you don't really see from above that there's a pipeline there. Maybe just a nice fresh piece of um, grass effectively along that, along that pipeline. But uh, the, I, I can't imagine, I mean, that was in, I was, you're dealing with, just the largest organizations in the country. I can't even imagine how you would sit down with someone and identify that there's a problem there for you to begin to solve it. Um, how, I mean, how, what, what was that conversation like? There must've been so many false between people saying, oh, I have this problem. Can you solve this? I mean, I've, I've had enough customers. The problems almost evaporate very quickly if you know to ask questions, but um, how did you, what was it like when you guys were like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't be building a drone. We should be analyzing, yada, yada, yada. Like, do you, do you have a specific conversation you can remember back to or set of conversations you can remember back to? Yeah, there was a point where we were like, okay, we're basically gonna start a completely new business from scratch. Um, in the Techstars program, we're like, okay, the old thing, we're not doing that anymore, doesn't work. With if we could do anything we wanted, how would we start a brand new business knowing everything that we know now? And so we we started with a customer. We started with a market first of all. We're like, okay, customers with really deep pockets, um, really big problem that's applicable everywhere. So there's a huge market, and something where uh, there's there's not already a lot of tech startups trying to solve it. Um, I would much rather compete against companies that were founded in the 1960s than in the 2000s. Um, so after that, um, yeah, in terms of actually getting out there and talking to the customers, yeah, it was the, the, the way to filter out that stuff is just get more data points, talk to more people within the company, and you'll start to understand the company's structure. Yeah, a lot of the problems that you hear people articulate are not fundamental to the ecosystem or the market or anything like this. It's they're actually articulating internal problems that arise from mismanagement in their own company. Um, so by talking to a bunch of different people in different roles and different departments, you start to work out like, like mm, the reason you're having this problem is because your boss sucks or because there's some like political 
mismatch between the interests of these different departments or something like this. Um, usually it's not, oh, like there's just no vendor that actually solves this. Like this is a new thing. It takes, it takes quite a bit of digging to sort that all out. And then, so the, when you're in the mobility class, I'm not even sure who's mobility or if it is a sponsored corporate program. Yeah, there was like Ford, Lear, Toyota, um, a lot of uh, a lot of automotive companies. Of course, so you go in with a drone company, mobility. <laughs> then you switch where your customer is going to be a power company, <laughs> and then how do you how do you know even like who you need to be talking to? Was it was it one of those? <laughs> I know a lot of the MDs and look for specific intros rather than an introduction to VC, you want, they want specific intros, but um, how, like, how did that work? How did you get in the door with this initial energy company, power company? So we were um, talking with Google at the time about uh, uh, Google Cloud Partnership, um, of which they have a couple of permutations of, and <clears throat> they... So through that process, they worked with our first customer um, and they're like, hey, so we happen to know that they're looking for a solution for this type of problem and we think you'd be a good fit. And we just got really lucky and we have like the best intro in the world from Google saying, hey, we work with these guys. We love what they're doing. We think they're a good fit. And the door exactly to the guy that we needed to talk to. So... That does yeah. not replicate. I have no idea how you do that yeah. without getting lucky. Well, yeah, how are you going to do the next one and the next one? But, um, the, so then here's where my mind is at. So you have an introduction. You've identified a problem. After discussing with, with them, you've identified a problem. Um, jumping forward, so let's say they're on board and you validated the problem. How do you get them to trust you to take over what is a process with a huge downside, downside liability, right? Like, how do you get them to, without a case study, without experience, like all of this data showing, yeah, we can do these amazing things. Is it based on a pilot program with a bunch of nice steps? That's exactly what it was. <clears throat> uh, we broke the problem down into uh, different departments and different, uh, and this is where those customer interviews took place. Um, the customer discovery was like, okay, this department has these people and we'll talk to these people and see, okay, what do you do? What is a problem for you? How do you try to solve it right now? What have you tried in the past? What do you think about? And we did that probably a hundred times with like probably 50 to 80 different people. It was a big thing. Um, out of that, we're like, okay, so here's where we can help. This is what we're proposing. We were very clear, like, okay, so, you know, we can do some of this. We've done some of this before, but some of this is new. Give us some money. Uh, we'll put together a solution that looks like this and we'll try it out and see how it goes. And then um, that was sufficiently de-risked for them and sufficiently intriguing that they thought they could do it. It was worth them to take that small risk on us and write a little check. And then we did that again with another department and another department until eventually we understood and built a solution and tested it for the whole company by just breaking it down into little tiny pieces. So you legitimately got some form of deposit or prepayment from 
the customer before you've even built the product, just by identifying the problem and saying, hey, look, we think we can, we think we can solve this here. I mean, yeah, if you, I don't know about prepayment exactly, but um, yeah, we get a purchase order. Uh, power companies don't pay up front for anything, but they will pay net 30 reliably. They're very good about that. So um, if you get a purchase order from a power company, there's all kinds of financing games you can play to get that taken care of. Plus, we also had some funding from Techstars that was really great because we could float the cost of the pilot. Had you, were you prepared when you pitched them what you were going to do for them? Were you prepared for them to say no? <laughs> like, no, we're not buying that. <laughs> or build it, build it, and then we'll yeah, we kinda... buy it once you've built that thing, you know? Yeah, um, we, we figured there was like a 50 50 chance of that happening, um, in which case, I don't know, find an intro to another power company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, there's at the early stages of uh, uh, any, any startup, there's, there's always that problem of legitimacy. And the way that I found that is most reliable to get around it is you just have to be honest with, okay, here's, we have, we have this amazing team and we're all a bunch of wizards. We can do anything. We want to understand and solve your problem. Please tell us all about it get them on the hook, get them interested in the solution and then say, hey, look, okay, we're gonna try something. Um, and it's it's such a small amount of money to you that it's like, doesn't even matter. Um, but like the potential upside is really big. It's the same way you pitch an investor, right? Like um, you've got a hundred million dollar fund. I'm only asking for a million of it, but the upside is like 30X returns. So it's worth it for you to take that gamble. Do you know on a on an economics model basis how much time time and then I guess because of time money a power company would save by having Aerotronic run its monitoring versus the way it's done normally? Um, yeah, I do. I I can't get into too many specifics because that would reveal things about our customer, but. Um, a good sized power company, like, you know, top 20, couple million dollars. A year. And then, so, and so you, you would have done that. And then did you, is that what you base your pricing on? You know, how much are you actually adding for them? Um, no, we, we went with uh, market pricing times some discount. Cool. Um, the, we, we want to, we want to accelerate onboarding customers by, putting most of the value onto them and not being above market rates, trying to recapture some of that value. So I guess now I'm thinking about it quite uniquely uh, with the first 1,000 being about the first 1,000 customers, like the, the deal sizes Aerotronics are playing, playing with are, I'm assuming millions of dollars. So really it's only the first one customer yeah, is worth probably hundreds of thousands for a normal, normal company. And you have that. Option. Yeah. They're, a few million dollars recurring on multi-year contracts, which, which, is, which is pretty solid. So, and I, the the story is is really compelling. So, um, I can justify that to the to the listeners. Um, the I'm wondering what the process was like in formulating what you what you actually understood the problem to really be. The way I have experienced this is, if I think about my last company and what we during textiles, I did 45 interviews in one week with 45 different people. 
And then I took all of the like pains they discussed, basically found the common threads and came and said, okay, well, these are the main problems we need to solve. And it didn't seem as insightful as I had hoped it to be. Back to them and said, cool, so this is what we're going to do, and this is going to solve this problem. And they were like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, yeah, well, I'm really interested to try it out when you built it. Um, but it wasn't as ecstatic as I've heard certain stories, especially on, on this podcast. Like, what did that, what did that, what, what was going, and, and also, I think we were also biased, right? Like, you're midway through Techstars, you've already invested a couple of years, you've invested investors' money. Um, the idea of stopping and starting again is, can be very, very, uh, I mean, nerve-wracking, really. It's a the face. How did you, what, what was that process like for you guys? Was it really obvious? Was you, I mean, is this what you were saying before? It was kind of super obvious what the problems were when you'd spoken to, to that many people. Um, yeah, so I, I think it was really <clears throat> two things that we had going for us that we didn't realize were helpful at the time. One, um, all of the, the mentor madness tech stars calls it where there's like a week or two of they just bring in as many people as they can find that are qualified and you have a gazillion 15 minute meetings and you really get to you know, pick a lot of people's friends. Um, none of them were hardly any, maybe one in 10 were about power lines. Um, most of them were just about generic business things uh, because we were in a mobility program doing power line inspection and there was no real fit there. Um, so that was actually really good. Um, the other thing is with, with regards to the pivot, we were self-funded and we had already come to realize that like our business model was not performing the way that we wanted and we had total control. We weren't on the hook to anybody. We could do whatever we wanted. So it was, we were both very much in agreement that it was time to change something pretty drastically. So uh, we were lucky there also. Very cool. And then it seems so poetic the way that this has come together and i'm actually learning i mean the more successful companies in the beginning they almost do have this poetic start which makes me feel more concerned for some of the things i've been involved in where it's you know, when it's two guys and they're like screw it we're going to start a company don't know what yet we're going to find a problem and solve it i've just almost never heard of that working other than a couple big ones like Gusto, Warby Barker, um, maybe Harry's. But uh, if you didn't, I mean, if, have you, if you, I'm wondering what do we, what's, what's the plan for the next one? Let's say this pilot goes well and then you want to, um, it's with another power company. How do, you, how do you think you're going to go about that? Are you already cultivating those relationships now? Do you have an exclusivity agreement? Yeah. Um, no, no exclusivity. Uh, we have, uh, so because our customers are known to us, uh, which is a big help, it's one of the reasons why we picked this market, we can do account-based marketing. So we know which customers we want to go after. There's a lot of public information on them. We can figure out, uh, we can do a lot of the lead qualification and quanti quantify them before we even talk to them. And we know exactly with the sales, we're starting to get pretty decent at um, 
understanding what their particular flavor of problems are going to be and how they're going to respond to the sales pitch and the marketing materials. So once we get that plan in place, it's like a sniper approach instead of a machine gun, just like spray and pray. Uh, we're very selective and that's, that's been great. We've had founder driven sales primarily. Um, and we've got a couple other companies in the sales uh, meetings, a um, couple in the demo process, and then a whole bunch on the trying to identify the champion internally. Um, to give you an idea how well that's going, we've got, and to brag <laughs> a little bit, um, if, if you take the, uh, the annual customer value times the expected close probability and add all that up, our expected ARR, we have 12.8 million in the pipeline right now. It's not too so, bad, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. It could be that our expected close numbers are a little bit off, um, but I feel really good. We've got four, no, 17 as of this week, 17 companies that we're talking to. If, um, if I'm trying to think of, is there a piece of advice that you could share for someone that was going to be in the same situation? And yeah. like almost, also maybe with a bit of specifics around these customer conversations. Cause I, I, you know, I think everybody reads the mum test or everybody is, everybody's given the mum test, the book by someone who do yourself a favor and read this. And I've read it numerous times and I've read it whilst interviewing people. I, I mean, I think there's also, I've still not had the insight level of insight that I thought I would, um, I think part of that is just there wasn't an insight there, actually. But I would, I, what, what advice would you give people that would almost go through the same situation? Because So I think a lot of founders are probably in this camp and, you know, maybe they're actually smarter than I am. But I, I'm one of these people where I had a really inflated view of myself. I thought, like, I'm, I'm very smart and I can do this and I will figure this out. That's not true. I'm not that smart. I'm really not. Um, that's, I'm not joking in a self-deprecating fashion. I'm being serious. Um, so what I learned is what I can do pretty well is I can find advisors and get them to give me some of their time. Um, people who really understand what I'm trying to do. They really understand the needs of, uh, who I think my customers are, um, like retired power company CEOs, retired, um, VPs of engineers, um, current CEOs of other vendors that work for power companies in a different space, people who really understand, have a lot of years of experience. Um, and I got very good at going to those people who already had the answers and being like, hey, look, here's my hypothesis. Here's what I've heard. Can you help me out here? And they're like, oh, okay, so what's actually going on is this. And I just mooch off of my advisor's experience and then turn that into direction for what the company needs to be doing. So by taking my own brain out of the, the equation and just being a, like a router in between like company resources and the advisory board, that works great. <laughs> um, the second I stopped trying to solve the problems with my own brain and relied on people who are way smarter than I am, just way better, way better. Fantastic. I think everybody, everybody definitely goes through the stage of just complete self-delusion uh, for sure. And I know textiles definitely beat it out of us. Um, what does, so how many people, are, is it just two of you at Aerotronic now? How many people are there? 
So cool. we have six cool. people right now. Well, this, I mean, this is fantastic. For six people, this is fantastic, especially for some of the, some of the companies I work with. Um, what would be, like, what's the, what is the risk that is keeping you up at night now? Hmm. Um, well, there's always, I mean, sales are going really well for the stage of company that we're at, but there's always sales risk. Um, you can't, you can't get around it. There's, um, fundraising going super well. Uh, but there's always some risk there. And then the big one is, uh, especially for the, the founders and the investors is on the exit. Um, you know, how are we going to achieve our growth numbers to make sure that we hit revenue multiple pricing and not EBITDA multiple pricing? And how do we build a company that's robust enough that can survive the founders and some key employees leaving when we sell it so that we don't have like a multi-year really high percentage earnout? Um, all these things are going to like really important for the stakeholders. How do we build a company that will last after an exit and continue like solving the problems that the founders and the team put all this energy into solving. That's important for, you know, fulfilling the mission of the company more than just in the spool up period, right? Those are really where most of my, my head is at is thinking about how do we make it? It's like the, if you're, if you're a nerd and you're into space, there's like the suborbital trajectory where you just go up and come straight yeah. back down. <laughs> like, yeah, you get into space, but you don't stay there. Like, how do you get into an orbital trajectory where you go up into space and, like, you stay there for a long time and you're, like, a big dominant player in the space for many, many, many years? Um, that solves everybody's problems and it provides good value to the, the shareholders and the customers. So how do you make sure it's the good one and not the bad one? That's that's mostly where I'm concerned about. Am I right? That was yes, answer, it's, but... That's fine. It's fine. It's real. Um Am I right in thinking, so right now, so you started off building drones, now you're doing it with helicopters, but you are also trying to take some of the drone infrastructure that you had built so that you can automate this autonomously in the future. Yeah, so the, the tech is pretty slick. Um, we're vertically integrated, um, so we do everything from collect the data to hand it over to the customer. Also, very important, I forgot to mention this, we only do... We only do power lines. We will not do anything else. We do power lines. When it's time to expand the business, we're just going to get deeper into the workflow of these power companies. Like um, that, because when we went into Techstars, we're like, okay, we want to do the all things for all people and address like five <laughs> different markets. And no, 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 no. It's, it's really hard to be good at one thing. It is not possible to be good at five things, especially as an early stage company. You can't do it. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on companies to do that because those are the type of companies that uh, get funded on the West Coast, uh, like, you know, Silicon Valley. These are like, oh, look at how big the, the TAM is. Yeah, but, like, you're never going to get any customer attraction that way. It's, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Fantastic. Um, um, so, so not even – I mean – when you're talking about getting deeper in power, in power companies, I can see there being a use case for monitoring. I don't know, like I see drones are being used to clean solar panels and wind turbines and huge, I mean, huge fleets of solar panels being constant monitoring. I'm assuming you, you that, that doesn't even cross mine. Fantastic. <laughs> no, cause we're focused on, 
we're focused on customer problems first, technology second. I don't, I don't, it's like, imagine how absurd this would be. You go to a, a workshop and you're like, hey, I want you to build a piece of furniture. And the guy's like, you know, I really love my hammer. I'm only going to work on projects um, that exclusively use the hammer. You're like, but you're not a hammer shop. You're a furniture shop. Like, I need you to solve my furniture problems. And the guy's like, no, I'm only going to, like, I'll hammer nails. I'll hammer boards. I'll hammer up the concrete. I'm just only going to use the hammer. It doesn't, it's, it's insane. Like, this, you'd be committed to an asylum if you said that. But that's how these companies run. They're like, we're a drone company. And we're going to do all the drone things. No, That's, that is such a good analogy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that for a call. I have to get on later. Um, all right, Chris. I, I think I've covered all of my core questions. Uh, I, I thank you so much for for joining me um, for this time. I guess it's probably this will end up about half an hour, but super insightful, really, really educational. I think more so than most of my, most of my interests. Thank you so much for being open and candid around not knowing everything. It's, it's, you know, getting, getting the hard truths out there is probably the most valuable thing you can do with the first 1,000. It has led to some interesting, uh, interesting situations in person when I'm asking these questions. But um, honestly, fantastic effort. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, thanks for thanks for doing a, a big favor to the entrepreneurial community with this podcast. I think more people need to be focused on the reality of entrepreneurship and, and deep lessons learned from things that went right and things that didn't go right from people who are there, which you're you're the perfect guy to do it. Like you're you really are a seasoned entrepreneur who knows what he's doing. So thanks, I'm trying. Thanks for, doing but that. thanks for the awesome, Chris. Have a great day. Cheers. Thanks. You too. And so that was a great conversation I had with Chris. There was actually a delay on this episode because uh, when I was editing it the first time around, I poured over a pint of water right down in between the screen and the keyboard on my Mac, so right into where the fan and the logic board are, which was just a fantastic day all around that day. But I want to thank Chris again for coming on. It was fantastic to get that story, so many ins and outs. I've been through a pivot in Techstars. I've been through several before Techstars. And it's fantastic to see what the network and what the experience, that, that value that was provided to other companies. And really, I mean, by the sounds of it, has, has turned them into a company that's set for incredible things. I had never really sat down and strategically thought, if I have competitors, I want to be competing against a company that is 20, 30, 40 years old. It's like a whole new um, axis on if you're, if you're breaking down you know, what, uh, what a strategic opportunity is for a company. So I, I found that really, really interesting. Um, and it, it's, you know, it is really interesting that the company was started when drones were a thing. You know, I remember talking about drones and how I wanted to buy a drone and drones were going to change the world. And, you know, they kind of disappeared and then we talked about social media and that kind of disappeared and blockchain and like it's so interesting seeing how like hype and waves go uh, i want to say thank you to chris i mean they they have a big team so much going on and uh it, it really meant a lot that he took time out of his day to talk to me and get the story on record if you're listening and you know of a company that you're like i really would be interested in, in hearing how 
we how they got there how we how do we how how did the beginning start how you know, it's never this glossy fantastic story you see in the media uh, let me know let me know and if you know them intro me uh, I want to give a little short out a short shout out to George Bevis from Tide who was on one of the earlier podcasts he introduced me to a lady called Rachel Corral who I've in, who I've interviewed after Aerotronic uh, and will be the episode after this one and we had a fantastic chat it, honestly I was so glad that the referral came through so if you're thinking about somebody else you're thinking about another company you want to get the story on record hit me up let me know you can reach me through the website thefirst1000.com you can also give me a five star review and send messages there that's great and you can find me on twitter at mqsley m-q-s-l-e-y don't ask me why my twitter handle is like that I really don't know I tried to get at Quinn and the guy wanted a hundred grand so yeah also have a great day thank you for tuning in I look forward to talking to you all soon and I'll keep pumping these out sweet sweet